Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for uh, July is over, pretty much officially August. As I said, I am Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Firefall. My name is Brandon Kikowski Schnell, and my game of the week is not Battleheart Legacy. Oh, that's too bad. But it is something. Uh, I bet one of your games of the week is something similar to Battleheart Legacy. One of the game, my games of the week is similar to Battleheart, but not Battleheart Legacy. Okay, we'll dive into that in a minute. But first, I want to try to sell you on something, Brandon. Are you ready for okay. this? Yeah. What would you think of a shooter that takes place in an open world, but with other players? So it's kind of like an MMO, but it's mainly a shooter. Uh, you're running around shooting things. Every now and then, like, you'll be in a group, and you'll do some big, crazy battle. And, and as you're playing, it's not just like a regular shooter. As you're playing, you're leveling up, like, different bits of equipment, and that's kind of like leveling up a character in an RPG. Uh, open world, fancy graphics and stuff. Uh, what would you think of such a game? I think I would be pretty excited to play such a game. Uh, Does that... I think I would be- yeah, go ahead. Yes, yes. I think I would I would play that alpha, and I would probably play that beta, and then I would probably play the retail release. Well, you know what? I don't know game. I don't know what you're on about with an alpha and a beta, because you and me can start playing it right now because Firefall launched this week. Ooh. So you're going to join me in that. You sound excited about Firefall. Well, see, unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that's a PC game. <laughs> and I don't think my laptop, my aging laptop, could handle. So I guess that means there's no recourse for you to get this kind of experience, right? Uh, you know, I think if I wait a month, I may be able to get a similar experience you, in, you, in Destiny. I can tell you one important difference between the experience that. that you would get playing Destiny and the experience you would get playing Firefall. The important difference, uh, I'm pretty sure at least one of those games is awful. <laughs> it's not- <laughs> Uh, it really is, like, because I've heard you talk a little bit about the Destiny beta and how much you're really into it, and uh-huh. uh, I think you're a little crazy for a reason I'll, I'll, I'll mention in a moment. Uh, but if you were to just list, like, basic bullet points for what they're both trying to achieve, they're kind of identical. But I think what you yeah. have here is the difference between Bungie as a developer, with right. uh, Activision as their publisher, and all of those resources and all that experience, and this group called uh, Red5. Uh, and mm. I think... Is Focus? Uh, I think they have a publisher as well. But Focus Home? Yeah, yeah, it is those guys. Um, but also, it's a, it's a business model difference, because part of what's killing uh, Firefall for me, it's one of those free-to-play things. So it's, right. it's constantly got, like, it's just chock full of consumables and, you know, like, experience point boosts it wants you to buy and, and little costume bits. Um, everything is buyable. Like, like, mm-hmm. And they do this, this stupid, crappy thing where, like, to unlock... Uh, better tiers of equipment. You have to research them. So you go to a uh, molecular printer and you go to your uh, your little work queue and you queue up something that's going to take, you know, like three hours, like real time right. to finish. But 
Hey, or you, yeah, exactly. If you pay a little bit of the thing that you can only get with real world currency, you, if you have Transformium, Transformium, <laughs> that's right. It'll do it instantly, right? And I just hate seeing that kind of stuff in my game. Yeah, uh, I'd rather. And I don't know if this is something like I, I. I guess maybe this is the luxury of being an adult with income. But I, I would much rather just pay the sixty dollars or whatever Destiny is going to cost I agree. up front, yeah. and just not have that stuff in my face. Yeah, I agree. And that that's that's kind of always been my my biggest problem with free to play games is just kind of not knowing, you know, I I like to go into it knowing, okay, you spend this amount and you'll get the experience. Now, I understand and nowadays with map packs and DLCs and things like that, um you know, you had, that plays into it as well. But I still feel like you, you kind of have that, in, especially nowadays. You know, they, they, they tell you, oh, this is going to have a season pass. That's going to have a season pass. We're planning these map apps. So as a consumer, you can make those decisions going into it to know, you know, how much the total game is going to cost you. With some of these free-to-play games, it's like you, you can't. You really have no idea. And you may think, okay, yeah, I'm in a pretty good spot right now. But then it turns out that you're not, that there's, there's you know, other things to get. And that that's... That's my biggest problem with the, the free-to-play yeah. stuff. And to be fair to Firefall, it's pretty clear up front what you're in for. You can download and yeah. play it for free, and you can, you'll can you start getting badgered early on. for, for uh, So they call the consumable. You mentioned Transformium. That's a good name, but they went a, a different direction, Brandon. The mm-hmm. stuff that you have to buy and spend, they're called uh, Red Beans. Red beans, okay. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking, but it sounds kind of cute. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's fun. All right, so you, I've heard you mentioned on Jumping the Shark that the two things that really hooked you with Destiny were the really good shooting, which that's another mm-hmm. thing Firefall doesn't have, by the way. <laughs> At least some of the weapons I've tried, uh, it, it feels a little kind of paper mache-y. Uh, uh-huh. But you mentioned you really like the shooting in Destiny. Which I do. I do yeah. like the Destiny. Or sorry, I do like the shooting. Yeah. Which no surprise, you know, Bungie knows what they're doing. Uh, yep. You also are really into that whole leveling thing. But yeah, and you've, yeah. you've I don't. I still don't understand this. You seem. You sound to me like a guy who knows smoking is bad for him, but won't quit smoking <laughs> because you know everything's going to get wiped. Actually, it's wiped now. It is wiped. Why, I've been wiped twice. Why, I've been why wiped would you twice. put up with that and not wait for the game to come out and instead play something that's already done? Um, well, a couple things. For me, you know, as a as a big RPG fan, you know, one of the biggest um, uh, one of the biggest kind of decision points is what class are you are you going to play? And ah. once I get started playing a game, I typically don't like to change classes. I'm not the kind of person. Um, who will roll up multiple characters and then kind of bounce between them. You know, once I pick somebody, I get very invested, especially something like Destiny, where there's so many different options to make your character. I'm sure, uh, like, about a, probably a million other people uh, made a, a, a Commander Shepard. Uh, <laughs> I made a Fem Shep um, as my my Titan. But I, I wanted to be able to play the different classes. You know, I, I got to level 8, as a as a hunter in the alpha, I got to level eight as a warlock in the beta, and then I rolled up a titan and got her um, to level five. So it was really just kind of seeing, okay, how do the different classes play? How do the different superpowers kind of play out? Is there any weapon difference? You know that kind of thing. Um, and I just, you know, I just kind of liked goofing around in that world. I, I liked. Um, you know, I don't play MMOs, so I don't know how much of this, you know, is old hat to MMO players, but, you know, just kind of 
freewheeling around doing your own thing, then like this kind of spontaneous event happens, and then it goes from you taking on this tank to all of a sudden, you know, eight or ten other people taking on this tank, and and then everybody just kind of go in their separate ways. Like I, I just really you know, kind of dug on that. Now, at the same time, you know, kind of having other people in there when you're trying to do things mm-hmm. um, w- was a little frustrating. I was, and, and this is, again, where it just becomes stupid. You know, I'm farming kills for a bounty that isn't going to matter anymore um, and that I was getting irritated that somebody kept coming and taking those kills for me, <laughs> you know, when it didn't even matter, you know, that that uh, there was no reason for me to be doing them in the first place. I, I'm going to tell you something, Brandon, that you're no longer allowed to say. What's that? I don't play MMOs because yes, I, I know I, I get that now. You <laughs> yeah. Now you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, what did you decide? So plain is it only those three classes? Say only. Uh, it is only those. Three I would classes, rather have yeah. fewer classes that distinguish themselves rather than because I think there's something like six classes in Firefall, and I'm like, oh, I don't really see what the big differences are. But uh, so there's three classes in. There's in, three classes. And what yeah. have you learned? For when it comes out, uh, I've learned that I don't remember enough about the hunter. Um, so basically, you've got uh, you've got um, armor, agility, and basically in health. And, and health is more like how quickly do you regenerate health when it goes down. And so the titan is your kind of typical tank. It's got the most armor. The other two things are on the lower side. Uh, the warlock has higher kind of health regen and uh, agility, and I think the hunter has the highest agility. Um, you know the Titan class. I, I tend to anybody who's ever played Warlands with me knows I'm I'm a, I'm a rush in uh, kind of guy. You know, rush in, just do some damage. Um, and so the Titan class was appealing for that matter because you know they 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 can they can soak up the most, and then their superpower is is just like this ground pound. So from like a melee perspective, it's really use it's only useful if you get like right into the thick of things. Um, the hunter materializes this golden pistol, uh, and, we, and then the warlock does this like kind of sh- throws like an energy bolt. Um, but you know at the same time, because I rush in so quickly, my health goes down. My, my shields get worn out. My health goes down really fast. So to have something that can regenerate that health really quickly um, was was really good. I, I I tended to care more about the differences in the weapons than I did the differences of the classes. Um, but I also re- just kind of one last thing. I, I I rely on grenades a lot, and the warlock they have this like kind of palm strike. That works a little bit at a distance. You don't have to get right up on them like you do with the other melee attacks, and that refills your grenade gauge. So I think I'm probably going to go uh, with a warlock. So let's see. If you punch people, you you make grenades. Well, you have a so you'll have a grenade gauge. You can't just lob grenades. Um, and basically, yeah. And, and for the case of the warlock, you you one of the things you'll unlock is a special melee attack. And once that gauge is full, you do a melee attack, and it just it just helps you fill your grenade bar faster. For the Titan, for example, I think it's a I think it's a health steal. Um, I don't remember what it was for the Hunter. Uh, what was your last character in this last beta? What did you name your character? You don't actually name your characters. What? Uh, I didn't. I didn't see a way to to name it. They just kind of gave me a name. It's possible that there is one. It's possible that um, I don't. You know, I, I don't remember. You know, one of the cool things about the PS4 is that kind of really funky motion-controlled keyboard thing that they have with the controller. Right. And I would have remembered using that <laughs> to type in a name. 
Um, and I, I didn't name either of my characters, so I don't know if that's just something that they didn't bother with, knowing that everything's going to get wiped, or um, or you just you just can't name your character. No, I was hoping to embarrass you by making you. I always. Uh, do you want to know what I always name my my character? I do. Yes. Uh, well, in this case, I would have named her Shepherd because she was a, she was a shepherd. Yeah, because I'm sure that's but, not um, taken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, my for the longest time, my wife. Uh, my nickname, her nickname for me has been Beaners, uh, to the point where my daughter thought that was actually my real name. <laughs> and so whenever I make a, a male character, I always name him Beaners, son of Beaners. And then um, female characters are Be- Beanara. So that's my lame RPG. <laughs> uh, the female one actually sounds plausible. Like you could maybe use that. Yeah, you, you could, if you squint, you could kind of see it. The other one, not so much. And and really, the only reason I do Beaner Son of Beaners is I used to work with this guy named Magnus Magnuson, and I always thought it was hilarious. Like I would walk past him in the hallway, and he was like kind of a shorter guy, but he was very Nordic. He wasn't he wasn't stout, but he had Nordic features, blonde hair, mustache. Like he just. He, his facial features were very Nordic, and whenever I would walk by, I would kind of giggle because in my head I would just go, "Magnus, son of Magnus." <laughs> so, You're not gonna be giggling when he shows up at your house in a pirate ship <laughs> or Viking ship, and he's got a like Thor hammer kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, all right, when does Destiny yeah. uh, come out? Uh, September ninth, uh, right? Yeah, first week of September. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll be on the PS4. I am on the PS4, absolutely. Fair enough, yep. I'll be there with you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, that's the, one of the things, uh, the fact that I really want to play a shooter on the PS4, this just goes to show how great this controller is, because uh, I don't, um, you know, playing shooters on the PS3 was never my thing, because those controls just kind of yep. felt so loose. Yep. Um, so. Watch Dogs will train you as well, I think. Oh, I loved Watch Dogs, yeah. I, I, I did everything. I, well, I can't say everything. That's do a drinking game. There was, like, no way I was going to go through all ten levels of that. But um, You didn't do all the chess puzzles. I did everything. Whoa. I did, I did, I did, the only thing I did not do is I did not get uh, a gold star in the cash run because I couldn't. And I did not do – I didn't get the, um, the trophy for uh, the drinking game. Other than that, I did everything. I did all the chess puzzles. I invaded, uh, you know, somebody's game, whatever, hacked their game ten times. I won ten races. I, I did all that You didn't that finish stuff. all the digital trips, did you? No, no. Hey, those that's I something. Be- what, what do you... What, those are- well, because that doesn't have a percentage attached to it. Uh, I guess you're right. Yeah, but... So, yeah, they are little self-contained worlds, though. And you can max those out. You can finish those. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I did the spider tank one, and I'm trying to remember what else. There's alone. But, there's the one where you creep around and uh, bring light to the dark parts of the city. Right, the right, right. The flower one. Thing. Oh, that flower thing. F that. Boy, there's no way I'm yeah. going to play that thing ever. <laughs> I booted that up once. I was like, I'm out. You get That's just one yeah, thing I will but, never have to do ever again. <laughs> I'm done with that. My friend Petey is like, what, what the heck was that? <laughs> It's because he hadn't, he hadn't really played the game much, and I kept telling him, oh, yeah, it's really good. And he's like, I was, like, bouncing on flowers. He's like, what is this? <laughs> it's always nice to discover something that you have no desire to ever do again, and it's, like, yeah. that much less content that you have to fuss with. Like, right, okay, not right. for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I was looking at the progression wheel and I didn't see them, on the one hand, I was like, well, now I'll never do them. But on the other hand, I was like, well, now I never have to. Well, isn't that what they're doing with DLC, too? Like, they're making the DLC digital trips, or at least they are with... Um, so far, yeah, them, yeah. So, I, ca- yeah. I kind of wish there was it was plugged into the larger world a little bit better. Well, I think that the T Bone stuff is, but there definitely is. Oh, right. There definitely is uh, digital trip 
DLC. Right. Uh, all right. So I'm going to now tell you about a game. Speaking of like knowing something that you'll never want to play, uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about something, Brandon, that you will probably – PC games, so first of all, you don't have to worry about that. But I'm guessing even if you had a really nice PC uh, that could run this, you would probably never want to play it. So okay. here you go. Here is a game. Where, do you like like transport tycoon games? Does that have any? No, no, it's too many moving parts. Oh, but come on! You like ship steel to the factory, and the factory makes cars, and you ship the cars to the the, the car dealership, and you make money. And don't you care about that kind of thing? It's like industry. Yeah. The only the only time I care about something like that, like for example, in um, Black Flag, the pirate right? game, right. Yep. you know that that I cared about, um, and and that was all mid maxing. That was just how do I get. You know the most stuff. How, you know how do I how do I ma- maximize out the fleet? The the logistics of that mattered to me, but it I think in part it's because I felt like um, the number of moving parts were sufficiently small enough to where I could kind of mentally handle them. And was it because you already liked Black Flag? Like if that had been divorced? Oh gosh, Black yeah, Flag, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well then, yeah. I don't have any uh, any in for you for this particular game because it's that kind of thing. But there are more moving parts. But more to the point, you're down in it. Um, like you're doing some of the moving, and it's a. I'll just I'll just cut to the chase. It's a truck driving game, okay. where you're driving trucks. Uh, you you have a cab, you know, the front of a truck, whatever you call that. Sure. Yeah, and you, you pick up a job, and you you have to carefully line the back of the truck up to the trailer to whatever you're hauling. It might just be like a a tanker full of uh, you know oil, or it might be a big old excavator on a flatbed. Or it could be like a big old dump truck kind of tail end full of sand. Whatever it is, you have to carefully back up, and it might take a couple of tries. And you hook up the hitch to it, and then you drive it to its destination. And the hardest part of the game is with the trailer on the back of your cab, backing it into the area up against the warehouse or whatever where the client wants it dropped off. That, and hearing that incessant beeping noise. Oh, there's a setting for that I found out where you can turn that <laughs> off. Because, yeah, that's by default. Wait, wait, wait. I Beeps. wouldn't think OSHA would, would let you turn that off. Fortunately, that right, this game lets you be reckless. You can get speeding tickets. You can bang into other traffic. You can, here's, here's a tip for anybody listening. You can't turn right on a red light in Poland. And I know that. Oh, but I didn't mention this all takes place in Europe. This is called Euro Truck Simulator, and it's two. It's not the first one. I don't know anything about that one. This is Euro Truck Simulator 2. So I've now learned if I'm ever in Poland, you can't turn right on a red. And I learned that because I did it because I thought it's a red light. Nobody's coming. Of course I can turn right. I did it, and I got docked for, for pay. You know, my pay was docked for that. Um, wow. So it, it strikes me, though, that the, the appeal of these games, and I'd heard about this game for a while, and I thought, that's stupid. Who wants to play a game where you drive a truck? Um, is partly, it's like a business management sim mm-hmm. where, you know, you can look at the different routes and the different demands for this um, item is here and it needs to get over here. And you can right. sort this list by how much it's paying per mile or what kind of job it is because your driver levels up and he gets bonuses from certain kinds of jobs. My driver, for instance, he's really good at transporting fragile goods. So oh, if I okay. yep, if I want to transport like soft drinks, for instance, in, in their little glass bottles, I get extra experience points and money for that. So, you know, okay. that's another thing I can sort on the list. Like, who, who's got soft drinks? Who's got fragile goods uh, for transportation? Uh, so there's this kind of uh, this RPG aspect where I'm making money, and I can spend that money improving my, my cab, my truck that I own. Eventually, and this is where it gets crazy, Brandon, 
I can open, I can buy different garages around Europe and I can hire other drivers and send them on jobs. And I can run this whole transportation network while I'm driving my own truck. Um, oh, okay. So you have like your whole, your whole, your whole uh, transportation empire. Exactly right. Exactly. It's not just you're not just a truck driver. You run an empire of transport. And for listeners, I don't, I don't normally like to cross the streams between my my movie habits and my game habits. But I like to role play myself as if I'm Dwayne Johnson's character in the movie <laughs> Snitch, where he runs a truck. <laughs> that company. was that. That was not a bad movie. I agree. Thank you, Brandon. Yes. Yeah, that was not a bad movie. So this is like Dwayne Johnson as the – you can pretend you're him, uh, but you're in Europe. That's the minor caveat. You can't be in America yet. This is a strictly uh-huh. European thing. Um, so it, it, what, what this game reminds me of, oddly enough, there are a bunch of games like this, Brandon, that are set – and again, I don't know that you would know this because this is such a PC thing. Uh, there are a bunch of games like this that are set in space, like okay. where you fly ships around and you buy electronic parts here and then you sell them over at this planet and then you pick up organics here and you you take oh yeah 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 like like a privateer kind of thing, exactly right right, right exactly yeah. but here's what surprised me while I was playing this truck driving game and sort of thinking hey this is like a privateer game space is boring now yes. I wouldn't normally think that but when I'm playing Euro Truck Simulator. You know, I'm having to follow the rules of traffic. You know, there are actual activities that require my participation and my input. I have to not go right. too fast when the truck is going up a grade. I have to downshift. You know, I have right. to look in my mirrors. And, and all of this, by the way, it's not a real time. I mean, it's, it's played in real continuous time, but it's a compressed landscape. It doesn't right. actually take me three hours to go from <laughs> Warsaw to, uh, to Prague. You know, so everything is kind of compressed down like a GTA kind of world. Um, right. Now, are there like way stations and yeah. stuff? Yeah, so have? you have okay. to. Yeah, that's what's cool. So you, of course, have to manage your fuel. That's, that's sort of a no-brainer. But you have a little blue gauge with a bunk bed on it. And as you're driving, it starts to fill up. And when it fills up, you're too tired to keep driving. You have to pull over and rest. You can't take like like some speed. Well, or something, you would or? think so. <laughs> it, so because you remember, I, I could totally see this game getting crazy with that kind of stuff, but they don't do that. Um, uh-huh. But you do. You do have to sleep, and you have to you have to basically satisfy your driver's sleep need. Uh, and as far as I know, there's no methamphetamines you can take uh, to, to address that. You have to do it the honest way of pulling over at a, at a rest stop, literally a rest stop. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to manage your driver. Um, and, of course, you, you, know, you do the different jobs. You're upgrading your – but unlike a space game where it's just about flying – you know, there's nothing interesting to do in space but wait for the jump gate, which is usually a loading right, screen. Right, 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 right. Uh, so yeah. this is that, but with, with interesting stuff that you're having to do. And also, by the way, as much as I like – there's a, the, the most recent game that I played like this was called um, X3 Terran Conflict. And there's a lot of awesome space porn in there. Like what you can do when you're flying around is like look at all the spaceships because they look great and the models are really beautiful and you've got free camera control. So you're just flying around admiring other spaceships and it's got this kind of spaceship porn aspect to it. But there is something to be said for what the developers of Eurotruck Simulator have done to create landscapes. Like you're driving mm-hmm. through these pretty pastoral landscapes and you'll see this, this kind of blew my mind. I came up to a rail crossing and there was a train going by. I like it to sit there and wait for a train to and go wait by. Wait for the train. Yeah, that was kind of awesome to think, 
you know, there's the, it, it, it created this illusion of like a living world that, hey, a train every now and then goes by. Right. Um, so that's, uh, that's a game that I've been playing that you can't play because it's not on consoles as far as I know. This is true. I, I cannot play that game. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would, but... but uh. it's, it's the perfect game for certain games. Different games require different amounts of your attention span, of your brain power. This is right. the perfect game to listen to podcasts. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you're leveling up. You know, you're making progress. You're, uh, you're earning money for your transport empire. Uh, and you, you can pay attention. You can even, by the way, there's an in-game radio. And I don't know how this works, but <laughs> there's apparently a link that you can drop into a folder for streaming internet radio. And you can make that oh, one really? of the stations on your radio. And, of course, you can put MP3s in a directory to make those on your, uh, on your truck's radio. So they kind of know that, hey, you're going you're, you're gonna to want to listen to something while you're driving around. Yeah. You should find some, uh, some Soviet you know, radio stations or whatever. I remember when we were in Russia mm-hmm. uh, adopting my son, uh, they would have the morning show on and... You knew it was a morning show just by the cadence, <laughs> by the sound effects and stuff. You knew when the news was on. And all I could think of was these poor people. We did this to them. Like, this is one of our exports <laughs> was like the morning zoo. <laughs> I, yeah, there, there is actually a, a Soviet truck driving game called Spin Tires that is set. Oh, yeah, truck, yeah, yeah. And you're, you're not driving around roads. You're driving around muddy areas. Uh, uh-huh. And for whatever reason, it's a British developer. But for whatever reason, they decided to make this set in like the 90s and 80s in, this, in the Soviet Union. Uh, so that right there, the, the, the uh, Russian morning radio might go better with that game. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. All right, tell me about another shooter you're playing made by Europeans. Oh, yeah, I just feel finished. When I say finished, I finished the story. I still have a couple collectibles to pick up, but uh, Wolfenstein, New Order. and um, those are former st- – the, the only thing I heard that made me want to play that is that they're former Starbreeze. Former Starbreeze, and you can – if you, you know, if you played, you know, um, Darkness and, and, and uh, Riddick and that stuff, like, you would – you would know it. They, like when I was playing this this game, I was like, "My lord, there's a surprising amount of of uh, I guess depth to the to to the character here." To to BJ Blazkowicz, I had no idea he was. You know, there was this much depth to him. I'm kind of surprised by this story. And then I was reading about the game company and and saw who made it. I was like, "Oh well, yeah, of course." And uh, yeah, it's it. I really really enjoyed it. The 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 the, the shooting is is solid. Um, the, uh, the, the idea is basically that, you know, BJ fails, uh, while doing a mission to attack death's head. Uh, he's a Nazi scientist compound. Um, and then ends up, and I won't say why, how he ends up, but, but basically he ends up, uh, like 14, 16 years in the future in 1960. Uh, and the Nazis have basically won and they took over the world. And so, you know, not being one to take such things lying down, he tries to seek out, you know, some kind of resistance movement and join up with them and see if he can can uh, kill some Nazis. But um, and now you care about this story stuff as you're playing, like because I remember, oh yeah, the darkness. Absolutely. The first darkness didn't really work for me. The second darkness, I just picked up to futz around with and really ended up caring about the story because of that little gremlin sidekick and the thing with his girlfriend. And like, I love the story in darkness too. Yeah, and it, and you, you, you started you, caring you. about B.J. Blazkowicz traveling 
through time in a Nazi alternate history. You cared about that. Yes, you okay. do, you absolutely do. The, the 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 you know kind of the side characters that they they put around him and the motivations that they give him. Um, you really do care what happens. Like I you know I was it was it was extremely well done. Um, now darkness. Uh, in Darkness 2 had this conceit where it wasn't just a shooter. You had all the darkness powers, and there was something yeah. layered on top of it. Is there anything like that in Wolfenstein, or is it mostly straight-up gunplay? No, there's there's perks. So, okay. so you know, the, as you're playing along, there'll be a perk like, you know, um, whatever, stealth kill 10 guys, and then if you get that perk, it'll unlock the next perk. And some perks can can be um, unlocked independent of of other perks, some you have to uh, you have to unlock by you know kind of in a in a progression, and so they do, they basically just make it. They, you don't get superpowers okay. so to speak. They they just you know basically make it so that you're more powerful. Um, but then they they have kind of this cool little uh, like little stealth game as you're as you're playing around. You know it'll you'll you'll see that these there are these radio kind of broadcasts going on, and those are like those are commanders, and so. Um, for example, one of the perks you get is the ability to see commanders on your map. And so if you kill a commander before they can radio for help, you'll it'll it'll show you where like collectibles are on the map. And so some of the collectibles are just like gold items, but some of these are these like enigma codes that you can use to unlock different game modes. Um, and so so part of the fun becomes just kind of sneaking around. Okay, how do I sneak around to that guy there and um and take him out before they find me, and then if the if the commander sees you, they'll they'll just call in reinforcements, so you'll have some extra, you know, kind of shooting to do. Um, so I, I like that aspect. I like I like sneaking around. I mean, the the AI is is a little at least on normal. It's it's a little brain dead, um, and the you know the throwing knife is is way overpowered. Like you know if 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 you see a guy from behind, it's an insta kill. And even if they they see you, but they haven't like realized they've seen you yet, like I killed a guy by hitting him in the ankle with it with a throwing <laughs> knife. So so that's a little like, eh. but um, you know I I just I really cared about BJ. Like I really wanted to to see what happened to this guy. And then the you know the characters that that he surrounds himself with. Um, at one point in time, you'll you kind of have a decision to make as to who to save, and that spawns two two different timelines. Um, where I'm pretty pretty sure that the the events are the same. It's just that in one of them, you have a little hacking ability that lets you get to to certain places for collectibles, and you find armor or uh, health statues to up his health. In the other timeline, you uh, you learn how to pick locks and you find armor statues. And then you know as you replay chapters, any of your perks. And any of your upgrades carry over. So, you know, if you want, you could do a whole run through getting, ah. you know, you know, health statues and then and then be all, you know, super healthy and then go through and get armor ones. You- but the weapons are very cool. Mm-hmm. It's not just like your typical like they, they you'll find uh, like they, they really took this the notion like the weapons in the 60s of like, OK, you know, like what are weapons that they that they might have? So so you'll have like, you know, you'll have like a. a a welding torch that also ends up being a little like laser gun. And then that turns into like this rifle. And so when you first find it, it's got two modes. It can do like a little pew, pew, pew laser blast, or it can cut through fences and stuff. But then you find um, like a mod that lets it bounce off floors. Well, then you find a mod that gives it a scope. And if you get a bunch of the, 
like little grids in the scope on a character, it'll completely vaporize them. Uh, and then you get a mod that it's got a battery to where it'll recharge itself. How do you get and the so mods? Your, Are the mods like hidden? You just find them okay. if you as you explore around. You know, you'll find them. Same thing with like, you know, your assault rifle can become a rocket launcher. Your uh, your your sniper rifle uh, at one point um, then can become a laser rifle. You know, just little little things like that. Like it, it's not just a standard set of weapons. As you continue to play, the weapons you use kind of change and evolve. So so to kind of keep you going forward to see. Okay, you know what? What's next? It sounds like there's a real incentive to get you to want to do things like isolate the commander and find these yeah. modules and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yet you say the game is divided into chapters. Uh, are, right. Is there any openness, or is each of these basically a corridor shooter chapter? No, they're, 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 it's corridor shooter. Just I mean, there are different. I mean, they do funnel you from point A to point B, and then in some instances, it's like you're going to fight a room full of guys, and there's really nothing you can do about it. That's just what the game wants you to do. Um, in other ways, like I've taken out the whole sections of guys just being just being stealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in some instances, you know, they 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 they, they do let you play a little. Uh, but there's also times when they're like, no, you're just going to fight like a ton of Nazis and Nazi robots and things like that. So but it's not it's not I wouldn't consider it open. It's still corridor. It's just at certain times you have a little more flexibility into how you want to go about. So without spoiling anything, just so answer this one carefully, Brandon. Uh, uh-huh. I loved the ending of Darkness 2. And I think so few games know how to end well. Uh, how did you feel about how Wolfenstein ended up? Is it something that I would be disappointed with? Uh, or is it something you were disappointed with? The, the, we don't know about me. Let's talk about you. Like, How did you feel about the ending of it? Um, uh, Sounds like you're disappointed. No. I don't want to spoil it. I was not conflicted. I was not yeah, disappointed. Were- I was not disappointed, but I was not... I wouldn't say... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just say I wasn't disappointed. I love the fact that you're hesitating because now I'm thinking, well, gosh, what is he thinking? And all right, well, you've piqued my curiosity. Yeah, it was it was a game that I was like, you know, kind of you're playing it, and I'm like, I'm thinking of all these different things. Like I could tell. Okay, here's one thing I can tell you that I was glad to see that they didn't do, but it was at the expense of something else. Mm-hmm. I was glad they didn't do something where they're like, BJ, we found this secret time machine, and you can go back in time and save everything. <laughs> like they do not do that. Okay. So if you're worried that you're gonna, you know, find the MacGuffin. <laughs> You know the cache of transformium that lets you go back in time and and stop it all. That doesn't happen. Like they, they they stick with it the whole the whole way through. That I, and I really respected them for that because I I kind of thought that's what was going to happen. Um, this is the second time on the podcast you've mentioned transformium. Isn't that a real yeah. thing in Transformers: Age of Extinction? Yeah, I, I hated that movie. What? So bad. Yeah, I know, right? Is transformium not transformium not canon? No, it's not. No, it should be. <laughs> the movie was terrible. No, I liked it. It might have been terrible, but some know, of us liked I it. I don't have a bunch of baggage about a bunch of little toys on, that you have. I don't have baggage about toys oh, either. I loved, I loved the first three, honestly. That's because you have baggage about toys. No, 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 no. <laughs> My God, there is no, there is so few toy, so little toy-related baggage in those movies. <laughs> what? How could... How could you like the first? I, I don't even want to get into this. You're weird. I know we're not supposed to do this. <laughs> Soon we're going to be talking about the wire, and then I haven't seen it, so fortunately we can't. So there you go. <laughs> See? See? See what you did? 
<laughs> uh, here's one of the reasons I have not seen The Wire. Because uh, I – so I have a, a sort of a weekly gathering here. We used to play computer games. We play a lot of board games now. Um, but sometimes they're, they're, the numbers for whatever game we want to play don't quite fit. So some people play a board game at the, at the dining room table, and the other people, there's kind of the spillover. They'll play something on the consoles usually. <clears throat> So a friend of mine uh, who is uh, – bless his heart, this guy is not really good at any games, but what's, what's so wonderful about him is that he's always up for playing them. You know, I have some friends who when they lose, they whine and they're not having fun. This guy constantly loses, is constantly having fun. Uh, he's just – he's a valuable asset to any group of players. So uh, he and I, uh, I, was, I was wanting to play the Zen pinball games on different platforms. Uh, so I showed him some of them on the Wii, on the Wii U, where one player has the main screen they're using, the other player has the little gamepad, uh, where you get to play down on that screen, and you're trying to race to see who can get to a certain score simultaneously. And he and okay. I were playing it, and he wasn't very good at it, and I kept beating him, and that was fine, he kept wanting to play. So we did that, and then he got home, and... At some point, like I was teasing him about, well, you know, you'll never beat my high scores in, in Zen Pinball. He went through and at one point beat my high score on my favorite table, which is called Paranormal. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was so incensed at that because I haven't played it in forever and I have it on many different platforms. So he was kind of forcing me to sit down and really knuckle down and do my best on Paranormal on this one platform, which is the Vita and the PlayStation 3. They're both on the same high-score server. They're, they're cross-compatible. Uh, so I played a lot of Paranormal trying to get my chops back, relearning the table. I'm not good at pinball, but I play it enough where, you know, if you play enough pinball, you'll get a high score. Uh, you won't get a right. super high score, but it will happen. You'll get lucky one of those times. So I played enough Paranormal to get lucky and to beat his score, and then I sent him a little taunt. Like, oh, look, look, you know, like, it, you know I, I like his girlfriend a lot. She's this awesome chick, and I'm constantly telling him, hey, tell your girlfriend that I have the highest score at this or that I won at that. Uh-huh. So I sent him a little taunting email saying, oh, tell your girlfriend that I now have the high score on Paranormal. This unleashed holy hell. <laughs> yeah, well, once you start getting his... Uh... Is he even other involved? I guess so. I don't know what happened, but within a few days, he had beat every single high score I had on every single frickin' pinball table. <laughs> when you log in, when you pull up, uh, I think it's called Zen Pinball on the PlayStation, it's Pinball FX on the Xbox 360. When you, when you open up the game, you have a little list of all your tables. And all the tables where you have the highest score, there's a little exclamation point. Uh, superimposed over the icon for the table. I booted it up and just thought the server wasn't updating or something because I had no more exclamation points. And I was like, wait a minute, am I not online? And I went through and was looking through them one by one. He had knocked down all of my scores. And here's the thing, he's not good at games, but he got really good scores. He was beating, he was like doubling scores that I had struggled to get. So instead of, that has literally been one of the biggest gaming time sinks that I have that I have had in the last month uh-huh. or so is trying to get back these high scores that were get, get your honor back. Yeah, this was taken from me. It was something that I, you know, I feel violated. He stole them from me. Those were my high scores. He's not any good at pinball. I don't understand <laughs> why that's happening. So I've got about half of them back. Um, for whatever reason, paranormal. I don't. I, I even. I have never done this before on other tables. I looked up a, a guide, like a table guide, for, uh-huh. for how to get the most points, 
and I, I kind of now paranormal is an older table. It's one of the earlier ones that, that Zen studios made. Uh, and I, I feel like it's, uh, there's something rudimentary about it as a table design that I didn't quite appreciate until I read some of these table guides because they're real, there's specific exploits you can do to get crazy high scores. The problem is you have to be able to reliably make the ball go to a specific place, and that's not right. part of my skill set. Yeah. I can generally nud, you know, flip it in that direction, and maybe one out of three times I'll get lucky and it'll hit the ramp. Um, so I now know exactly what I need to do in paranormal, but I can't reliably get the ball where it has to go, which is actually a two-part process. You have to hit a certain ramp, and then you have to shunt it to this cool Hellraiser cube that spins around. And so, so you know, maybe one out of three times I can hit the ramp, but then one out of six times I can do the second process. So if you do the math there, one out of six times one out of three, I don't know, what is that, one out of nine? I can't, I don't care. I, I can never... Close enough. Close enough, exactly. <laughs> the point is, he's beat my score. I don't ever think I'm going to get it back. So at this point, I'm like, you know, forget paranormal. Let's go on to other things. And I, I'm, we're currently at the point where I am beating him at the Marvel licensed tables, but he's beating me at the Star Wars licensed tables. Mm. And frankly, I'm okay with that. Really? Yeah. Why don't you play pinball? You you have you you're a big Vita. I'm, ter- I, I'm terrible at it. That's why you have to be good at pinball. I mean, it just it's it just happens. Like you just yeah. The ball I just yeah. I don't pinball has just never really been my thing. To be perfectly honest, um, I I don't know why. I mean, I I you know was a child of the arcades, and you know before there were arcades, it was skee ball and pinball. So you would think that it'd be right up my alley. But you know, I I've you know kind of grabbed some of the free tables, and uh, it's just never really stuck with me. I've never, I don't know if it's, I, I just, it's just not my thing. Who's your favorite Marvel superhero? I think I know that. Is it Captain America? Uh, or is it Optimus Prime? <laughs> it's Batman. No, uh, I don't know. That's a tough, as a kid, Spider-Man. Absolutely. You know, I was, I was, a, I was a pretty big geek back then, you know, skinny and everything. And I, I really, um, kind of wished that I would get, bitten by a radioactive spider, then I really wished that um, my mutant powers would manifest, um, and then that never happened in puberty. I, I've, I've been robbed. Um, but now but, that you're uh, now that you're an adult, you know who is your favorite superhero? I'm trying to. I'm, I'm thinking if if I were to like gift you the table that had the right <laughs> superhero, if that would like, it, or is it even? No, a team? I don't. I don't. No, I don't think. I'm, no, that doesn't really. Come on, matter. really, the licensing won't get you. No, the licensing doesn't get me. Uh, I mean, in Marvel, I have. I think there's. I. I, I don't really have a favor. There's too many. There's too. Well, many morning, the Spider-Man tables are not very good. So, I what hope- about the Moon Knight tables? They're like a Moon Knight table. Serious? I love Moon Knight. No, wait, He's crazy. are you pulling my chain? No, Moon Knight's great. Moon Knight is is literally one of my. If I were to like pick my five favorite pinball tables, the Moon Knight table is fantastic. That oh, way, seriously? my friend Troy <laughs> is not getting Moon Knight for me. Boy, I've got like a score up in the eighty millions. I love the Moon Knight table. I don't know the first thing about what's going on there, but uh, yeah. it's a great table. Uh, yeah, no, Moon Knight is great because he's so unhinged. Like that's, but not like in a Deadpool annoying way. Uh, the like, Deadpool table is really annoying, but no, the Moon yeah. Knight table is awesome. I, I, you know, oh, that sounds pretty funny. I, I'm, 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 the gears are turning. I'm wondering if it takes a Moon Knight table to get you into pinball. Well, the last time you got somebody into pinball, you ran the table on you, so you got to be careful. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't. Want, let's see. The upside would be you're playing Zen pinball, but the downside would be 
my Moon Knight high score. I can't. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, I know you have been spending time on the Vita with something that involves... So in pinball, you have to resign yourself to the fact that you're going to lose the ball at some point. Losing is an integral part of pinball. You're also playing something where losing... Uh, dying is an integral part of the Oh, my gosh. On yeah. Vita, what is this? <laughs> Rogue Legacy. Uh-huh. So, now, this is old news to a lot of us with these things called yeah. PCs, of course. The PCs, yes, I, I'm well aware. So yeah. How did you, first of all, get into, like, what got your attention about Rogue Legacy? Cause well, I, I, I um, you know, last year at E3, when they talked about the PS4 and they talked about all the the indie games coming out, I that's when I started paying um, kind of better attention to the the indie games that mm-hmm. Sony was going to be looking at, and then just kind of indie games in general. Um, and I have picked up and played a lot of you know the, the you know kind of the indies greatest hits. Your Thomas was alone. You know, Guacamole, Hotline Miami, um, you know, Retro City Rampage. I have, uh, what do I have? Terraria. Uh, I play Child of Blood, Transistor, you know, and so and I was reading about Rogue Legacy and just this idea of, like, I just, I like the I, the traits idea was really interesting to me that, you know, you, you pick a trait and then that gets carried on to your, your successor and trying to, to navigate this dungeon. I am not typically a roguelike person okay. i am not i pl- i played a demo of spelunky and that was a, w- a little bit too hardcore <laughs> for me uh and i did play you know they've actually had a demo of vita of rogue legacy on the vita running at best buy for a while now basically since last year mm-hmm. so i played a little bit on it and i and i i like the art style and and you know for me um and, and i'm not saying this is like a you know, as a income qualifier or anything, but you know, twenty dollars and under, I'm usually willing to give something a try that I typically wouldn't uh, wouldn't do because the cost, the buy-in is low enough to where if if I go well, you know, I can find something I enjoyed about it. Uh, and so, Rogue Legacy kind of came in at that right price point, and then because I can play it across, not I don't know why I would play it on my PS3 when I have a PS4 <laughs> and a Vita, but. You know, I, I can, <laughs> but, um, and I, and I like it. It's just, I, I, uh, I did have to look up some tips because uh, I was, I've died a lot. And I will tell you that. Like what kind of tips? Like what, what were well, you, basically, what were you getting to where you're like, I can't get past this without cheating on the internet? What? Uh, it just, you know, the whole, the monetary system where, you know, you may have enough money to buy you know, you don't have enough money to buy anything, but you can't keep that money because you got to give it all up to go into the castle. I was kind of like, how am I ever going to make, you know, money to get some of these higher upgrades? Just general progression tips, then. Yeah, general okay. progression, okay. and and you know, and they, you know, I read they said, look, if you if you get to a castle where you found where the boss is, you know, lock it down with the architect, and then kind of use that castle to right. kind of get to get money Farm because it, then. Yeah. You know, if you once you you kind of get enough money to to get stuff, and then you know where the boss is, you don't have to waste any time, uh, you know, health points, whatever. You can just teleport right to him or her. I guess it's a floating eye or something. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> Does a floating eye have a gender? Yeah, I don't think they're. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so stuff like that, stuff like that, um, and then just not spazzing out. That's my biggest problem. It's just not spazzing <laughs> out. You know, I forget about the magic attacks, and so. You know, I forget about the paladins can block stuff, you know, so. 
but um, so I did. I found a I found a castle that I'm kind of comfortable with, and so I have locked that down. You know, unfortunately, treasure chests they don't respawn, but you know everything else does. So I, I haven't done enough runs in it yet. I haven't completely uncovered the map with it to know if it's worth it from a monetary uh-huh. perspective, because you know things kind of uh, get expensive fairly quickly. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, part of me goes, man, I wish this game had like a bank, right? Like, like you would lose half your money, but you could put it in the bank. But I'm like, well, that would just completely destroy this game's economy. Like, <laughs> there'd be no reason for you to, you know, you, you could just nickel and dime your way to success. So It really is. I mean, it's all, a, it's a kind of a unique risk-reward equation. Like, you really do have to make tough choices there. Yeah. Right, and I like that. I, I like that idea. You know, I, I feel like, you know, every once in a while, I like to play a game like that where I can't just put it on easy. Right. Where I, I actually have to try um, and 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 kind of earn, you know, what I'm what I'm doing. Um, and the Vita is the perfect platform for that, yeah. simply because you can make it go night night. You know, like uh, I think playing a game like. Spelunky or, or or like this or Guacamelee, my gosh, there were so many times of Guacamelee that I was glad I could just pause it and pick it up later on, you know, as opposed to having to quit and you know backtrack my way through. So in this game, it's the, the same way. Um, I'm I'm much for me, you know, hard games represent a loss of time just as much as they do a gain in frustration because. You know what I start to get frustrated at is the amount of time that I've spent and and I've not gone anywhere. Whereas if I can like just kind of pause it, as opposed to maybe having to stop and 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 then get work my way back to a particular point, I'm much more open to it. Uh, so did you find so in a game and and uh, I, I love that you mentioned that about Rogue Legacy, but uh, I have a question for you about a game that I'm playing that has some things in common with Rogue Legacy that I think you've actually finished. Um, did you find that uh, Muramasa Rebirth you can put on either Legend or Chaos, yeah. which is either easy or, yeah. or normal, or easy or hard, whatever? Uh, I think it's normal and hard. <laughs> well, yeah. well, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I constantly have to read the tool because Legend and Chaos, yeah. I don't know which one of those is supposed to be more difficult. So I have to, and I think the easier one's on the left. Um, yeah, it you is. can also yeah. change it on the fly, I think. Uh, uh, did, I think so. Did you ever. Uh, did you play through that? Because I find I'll get to a boss in that, and I'll die. And I'm like, well, I could grind for healing things so that I could live longer in the boss fight, or I could just bump it down to the easy level. Uh, well, I always I played the whole thing on easy. I played that on oh. the Wii, I believe, on normal. Oh. I played the, 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 the female, uh, her story on the Wii when it first came out. Right. And, and I, I picked it up really cheap. I think I picked it up for like $5 on sale. So I'm just like, hey, this game I know will be gorgeous. I just kind of want to see the art. I loved the art style, and I loved the monster design. Um, And I had heard that the DLC was really good. So I picked it up more for that. And just played Um, through on easy. And just played through on, yeah, yeah. Did you unlock, like, did you find that when you got to the end, there were a bunch of swords you haven't unlocked? Or, like, I'm wondering... Yeah, there there are. There are ah, a bunch I have. So maybe I should stick with it on the harder level to get all of this stuff. Well, I don't know if you level up faster. I mean, that that's basically just, it's all spirit and whatever the other currency is. Well, you get experience points. Yeah, you definitely get experience points. Right, but do you level up faster on a harder difficulty? Holy cats, it, it had not occurred to me that you don't. 
That's happened yeah. to me in games before, by the way, where I've assumed that if I'm playing on the harder difficulty level, I'm getting right. more experience points, only to be told by someone, no, dummy, you're just getting the same amount. You're just making it right. harder for no good reason. All right, I'm going right. to need to run some tests on this. But so, yeah. so that's one of the things, like Rogue Legacy, because I don't know if you had to look this tip up online, but your tip about don't spaz out. It's constantly one that I have a hard time with with oh. fighting games, and I'm I'm struggling with yeah. that with Muramasa Rebirth when I yeah. get to difficult fights. Yeah, because on easy you yeah. just spaz out, and then the fight is over after a little bit. Well, yeah, but you, the biggest thing for me on that is to keep an eye on the the gauge, the spirit gauge. You know, don't don't you know you may really like that sword, but you're going to hammer it in the ground. Um, and I, that was one of the things I love about that game is is the fact that it it forces you to. Yes switch between weapons and in fact in the dlc that becomes even more important because it's not just weapons you're actually switching in one of them you're switching between forms so you're you're like a cat demon and so one of your forms is a cat and one of your forms is like a half lady half cat uh the other dlc you play a farmer and you when you switch you basically switch between like your your rake or your hoe or i think and maybe your shovel but you actually call in a friend so you're not just switching in so your your special attack between the weapons is you're calling in a friend to help you so so they they do i like how they do the switching in the dlc and i think that um you know the main game does a really good job of kind of training you because you know, it's so easy to just keep hammering on with the same sword and then just have it break, and that's that's not good. You really don't want that to happen. And I'm really eager, because I'm glad to hear you say that, because one of the reasons that I do want to play the basic story is I'm curious to try the DLC. Uh, it's, it's it's really, it's fun. It's it's kind of wild. Uh, um, uh, and now these are, uh, did you play Odin Sphere this, uh, in Grim Grimoire? No, I, I tried to. I, I got it for the PS2... Uh, and I, I forget what it was about. There was something about something technically wrong. I don't remember what it was, but I, I can't for the life of me. I can't remember. I did start playing it, and I, I don't remember what happened, but it didn't work out. Well, they were really weird designs. Like I love how Vanillaware takes this kind of just familiar moment-to-moment gameplay and sticks them into weird systems. Uh, yeah, I like that sword switching that you're saying because that's kind of a an insidious thing to do to make you constantly switch gear and, and upgrade gear with new powers. And even in yeah. the course of the one battle, you have to alternate amongst them. Um, right. It gives everything a fluid feel. But also mostly, and here's one of the reasons that I haven't picked up uh, Rogue Legacy yet, you know, all the, this move to go back to these kind of like retro cutesy graphics, that's fine. And Rogue Legacy certainly has this cutesiness to it. But man, Miramasa Rebirth really looks good. It looks amazing, yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of times where you just have to run through screens to get somewhere, right. and I'm okay with that just because it's, it's the same way that I'm okay with driving around in Euro Truck Simulator 2. It's like, you know right. what, if I'm just going to have this laid-back trip, give me something cool to look at. And yeah. boy, Muramasa Rebirth, is, what a beautiful game. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, and, and that was another reason why I wanted to play the DLC, because I just yeah. I like that. I like their aesthetic, and I thought, well... Okay, farmers? Yeah, okay. Yeah, what is this going to be? What is this going to look like? Uh, uh, you know, a third DLC just came out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, there you go. All right, uh, speaking of cool artwork, how do you feel, because I've heard people say this game is ugly, I think they're crazy. How do you feel about the artwork in Ascension? 
Oh my gosh, I I love it. The new artwork, I love it. Even the old artwork, like there's some of the. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because some people think that's ugly, you know. No, I I love it. I I I think it it, it does bother me when I am playing people who o- who only play. I have one guy, and he only he will only play the original. <laughs> And I just, uh, I really like the second, like kind of the, the, I don't remember the second revamp, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, I like those cards better, but, but the rise of, of vigil, I, I love them. I love the new cards. I love the energy thing. Um, I, I just, I, I, I dig the art big time. So I am only now getting back into this because they had some weird shenanigans with... <laughs> they really do. Yeah, it was like a fallout between the publisher and the developer. Yeah, or Stone. The, uh, well, what happened yeah. was Stone Stonegate, whatever its name is, they were going to make their own right, online. Right. And so they did a beta. And my understanding was people were like, it's not as good as what <laughs> Playdeck is already doing. So why not just stick with them? And they did. But now there is, because it didn't used to do this, there's now a, a separate wall where you have to sign in. Like, you're still having to sign in. Like, all of my friends apparently were gone. Like, I had to add you for our game. Oh, huh, that's weird. Uh, I, I never stopped playing. I, I have played Ascension every single day since I got it, however many years ago that was. Did you previously, though, have to sign in and make an account on their servers? I think so. I don't know. Like I said, I've already... Oh, uh, wait. No, no, no. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. There was... There was a, uh, there was, I believe there was a, an expansion or whatever uh, that, that you then had to do that. And I think that was sometime around when they announced, okay, look, we're going to stop supporting this in, you know, six months or whatever, and you might have to, like, rebuy. Or there, I, whatever happened, I got so turned off by, okay, this is really annoying, I'm done with this game. Um, and, and coming back after that, you know, what's new is now you do have to register an account with stone deck or whatever maybe it's play deck it's play deck yeah. uh, it's easy enough and it's not that big a deal because it, it works fine but there's this extra layer that I have to get through to sign in sometimes it, it pops up again when I'm taking a turn uh, see that never happens to me it, it's been rock solid for me ever ever since they, they did that I mean yeah it, it just it saves my password it's all you don't have you know, to log in every time up. like you, you have do. to press log in like you don't have to yeah. enter your password but you do right. have to go past the login Correct. screen, right? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, but it never pops up like in the middle of the game. Once right, I'm right. in, because I always have, I have five or six games going at a time. Well, and they're really great uh, too about just hitting that next game button when you take a turn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've never, I've never had an issue where I have to, um, like in between right. turns or in between matches or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So to be fair, once you're in, you know, they let you get everything done that you need to. To do um, so, yeah. let, let's talk about Rise of the Vigil. So, uh, I think we both love Eric Sabi. I think that's his name. His artwork. Um, there's some yeah. great new artwork in this. Some of the artwork, and I actually got to talk to uh, Gary. Uh, I forget the name of the developer, but I got to talk to him once, and he explained that some of the artwork in the core version, he had to turn around really quickly, and they were just kind of like these almost uh, sketches, like first draft sketches that had to be used in the game. So they're mm-hmm. clearly giving Eric more time to finesse and refine the pictures and, and they yeah. look great. I think they do so incredibly gorgeous. Um, uh, so let's then talk about what's new in the gameplay. Uh, those energy shards. Yeah. You're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You don't feel like, uh, they've just added a new resource for the sake of adding a new resource. 
No, because I think what it does is it again it it kind of goes well. It's just you know one more you know Ascension to me has always been you know that choice between are you gonna are you gonna just try to take out monsters or are you gonna try to amass points by the point value in your cards like how how are you how are you gonna try to win and I think this this just gives you one more thing now that you have to try to go okay well do I want to try to get a ton of energy so that I can start using all of those awesome side abilities. The energized abilities, right. Yeah, the energized abilities. And then if you if you decide to do that, okay, well, what at, at the expense of what? Um, Here's kind of my, my problem with, with that. And, and actually, I like it. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying I'm not as... Uh, I, I wish they'd done something different. Or So what this does is all of the new cards, for the most part, I don't see any new dynamics or tricks. I do see this energized system, and there's definitely a new resource. But what happens is that instead of making a card that does something new or different, and that's hard to do, admittedly, they make the same cards with multiple effects on them. So instead of getting something cool and weird and unique, you know, a card is identical to another card we've got in a previous version, but then it has an energize ability that is coupled. So it can do two different things, but neither of those things is new or, to me, changes the game in any sort of meaningful way. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like it... It, it steps a little bit on, for instance, life-bound cards had this, mm-hmm. this idea of uniting, where here this card does one thing, but if you've also played another life-bound card, here's a special right. ability. And that, that idea of this card could do two things, you know, the equivalent of an energized ability, that used to be the exclusive domain of life-bound cards. But now with energy, with this energize effect, all not all the cards, but, but plenty of cards do that. That's no longer unique this idea of a card having an additional effect is no longer unique to lifebound cards. So just from a game design, analytical, beret-wearing, chin-stroking perspective, I kind of feel like I'm a little disappointed. It, it's like Taco Bell where you just mix the same ingredients in a different order <laughs> to, and you call it something different. Uh, right. I kind of have that going on a little bit. And this is only after playing, you know, like maybe 10 games. They go really quickly. So I'm not yeah. super acquainted with it, but that's just my, my first reaction. Right. Well, I, I've, I've played some pretty badass cards. I mean, in terms of like doing new things, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm not sure what would qualify as that. Um, you know, I played this one card. That I had two of them in my deck, and this is a, I rolled up like an eighty-point score deficit on this one cat. Um, and basically, what it was it was a lifebound card, and you play it, and it said you can pick any lifebound card from any expansion, and as long as it has not been played, you can use that effect. What? So yeah, you mean so that? Wait, is this a promo co- card, or is this in the core set? I don't know what it is. You must I, have. I have some, ever- did you buy all the promo cards, Brandon? I have everything. Oh my god, and you're one of the guy those. The, apparently the guy I'm playing with, he has it too. But anyway... Uh, you're so buying cards promo are, cards. No wonder. That's a fair point, though. If you buy the promo cards, they do funky things. Yeah. And then one of the cards... So the card that I picked was a lifebound card that basically said, go ahead, take every hero that's currently right. in play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. There's a couple. There's one like that, which is also... There's one, I think it's the Herald of Doom which is a creature, and if you defeat him with a certain energy level, you acquire and defeat every card in play. Like, you just, right. the whole center row is yours no matter what. 
and there's also some cards that add energy to the pool, which I really like, because then you can, you know, obviously that can backfire because they can use those points against you as well. You mean that add honor or that add energy? Add honor, yeah. sorry. So sorry. The, uh, yeah. the, actually, that, there, there's two cards. There's a couple, there are a couple of cards that I do feel uh, change things up, and that's one of them. It's the, uh, the Loam Speaker Druid. You know, if he comes out, and I think there might have to be treasure under him, so it might not always happen. Yeah. But uh, it adds honor to the pool and prolongs the yep. game. Yeah, and I do love yep. that mechanic. Here's another one, and I've been con- I've been trying. Actually, I'm sure I've played more than ten games because I've been trying games specifically to get this thing to trigger because I want to see how they model it because they they are so good. By the way. I have the physical version of this game and the iPad version. The iPad version is so good at expressing cleanly all the information you yes. need right there on the screen. Even though the constructs are tucked down, just a simple little tap pops them all up. Even the logs to look at previous turns. I mean, this is such a great port. So I'm dying to see there's a card called the Omnicron, and it's a, it's a mechanic construct. When it comes out, if there's treasure underneath it, it adds a seventh slot to the center row. Oh yeah, I've gotten that. How does that? How do they squeeze a seventh slot onto the they, screen? They do. They just do. But it's so <laughs> jarring to like be in a game that has seven yeah. slots, and then you go to a game that doesn't, and you're like, "What's different?" <laughs> you know, like one of these things is not like the other. And you're just trying to figure it out. It's, oh, right, right, right. Okay, extra card. Yeah, they just get tiny. Okay, that's what I figured. I mean, I know, I know, you know, a bunch of old guys like us. It's, it's hard <laughs> on the old peepers there, but they, they make do. Uh, and to be fair, so those are a couple of things that I do feel, you know, those are unique, playful new mechanics. And, and frankly, what, what they did with the idea of a soul gem deck in the last expansion, mm-hmm. what it creates and what this rise of the vigil mechanic with the energy shards also creates is this idea that when you are looking at your hand of cards, you know, you draw your five cards and you wait for your turn, it used to be that you knew exactly what you could do with those five cards. You could totally yeah. plan out your turn, and it was just a matter of what was going to be in the center row when it came around to you. Well, now that there's this idea of soul gems and energy shards, which means you draw more cards, they play up this idea that your turn, you, you can't fully plan in advance. You know, crazy right. things are going to happen during your turn. You're not going to look at your five cards. And even then in the past, there would be a few cards that would let you draw more cards. But now, routinely, there will be something in your hand that's going to change, possibly dramatically, how your turn unfolds. Um, mm-hmm. So there's this unexpected uh, element that gets added with Rise of the Vigil and the Soul Gem deck uh, that I really like. And especially when they spin out into these crazy long epic chains of... Right, you know, I've right. literally had games where you cycle through your entire deck in one turn. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the one thing that, that I also like about the iPad is the ability to say, I only want to use whatever combination of uh, expansions right. and stuff yep. that there are. I mean, as long as you both have them, um, you know, whatever whatever it is that you you want to do, go ahead and do it. Um, and it gives, and that way, you know, people like me, I want them all. I'll play them all. But I have I have a lot of people who don't. They only want certain ones, and that's cool. You know. So you and me, let's just play a game with only the core cards. Won't that be exciting? Won't that be? F- I actually have a, a a guy that I play, and that's all we play. No, it's just core cards. Why is he? Do you, do you know this guy in real life? I don't know. Cut him Probably why would you not. Just play with the core cards. That's ridiculous. I don't know, <laughs> but that's all we play. There have been times I've so, tried so so when I can't when I can't take the guy that you put as like a monster in your deck. I forget what his name is. Um, so you know, like there's the two enemies. There's like right. the guy it gives that costs you like the lizard skin backdrop behind your name to show that 
you when you defeat monsters, they go in your deck. That guy? Uh, no, no, no. The guy. So, so, so the 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 soul gem expansion, whatever they added. That so there's two like basic evil minions. There's right. like the main bad. You know, it's, yeah. There's like the the two the guy that costs two points to defeat, just a crazy cultist, and then the guy oh, the that fanatic. costs three oh, I see points. What you're saying. Right. The fanatic. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fanatic, right. Like whenever he's not there, I'm like. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. No. I know. Well, it also means there's no events. I love the events. Yeah. They added. Yeah. yeah. So here's yeah. something that drives. Uh, do you do you play against the computer, or you are just constantly got games going I, with people? I just play against other people. So I was playing against just to get acquainted with the cards, and because you know I went and looked at my friends list, and it was empty because I hadn't signed in. So I was just playing some games against the computer, and it had six combat power, and uh, it was the end of its turn, so it killed the fanatic twice. Rather than for two points. Oh, rather than kill the cultist three yeah, times. Yeah, and I, I see yeah. that sort of thing, and I'm like, oh, God, so the AI is stupid. I mean, it, it can, you know, it can, in a reasonable manner, do non-stupid things with the cards often enough. But when I see something like that, I'm just like, oh, stupid AI. They used to, by the way, when you would play the AI, they used to have, uh, you could click on the difficulty level, and there were three mm-hmm. settings. But one of the settings wasn't implemented yet. It would be like one bar, two bars, and you could see there was room for a third bar, but it wouldn't go up. It wouldn't fill it in completely. The implication being they were still working on the harder AI. Yes. I noticed that is now gone. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we're not doing settings. that anymore. Exactly. <laughs> There's no room for it. There's only two settings for the AI. You can put, I think, it like green or red. Uh, yeah. But there's no... Like, get some friends, dude. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> you better get to that friends list. So. All right, well, real, real quick, tell me about... Uh, you're also playing on the iPad. Yeah. A movie well, tie-in. It can't, oh, were. So you're done with it? What? Well, once I got, I got Rogue Legacy, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the the movie tie-in game. So so we talked about my my game of the week not being Battleheart Legacy. So Battleheart was an iPad game that came out a couple years ago and it's basically, you know, it's like a real-time um action RPG where you have four heroes and it's all touch-based. So you tap that guy, I want you to go attack that guy, you know, use this power or whatever. Um and then Battleheart Legacy, they changed it to just one hero um and uh and and just fighting monsters and stuff but um and so Guardians of the Galaxy the tie-in game is like that that battle heart style mm-hmm. where you um you know you control a team before of the guardians and you uh, you're basically right now I'm trying to break out of prison um but um and then it's all you know touch based and everybody has different powers they different team members will combo up with other team members but the thing i like about it is unlike you know other free to play movie tie games it's completely self contained so you know you can when you when you buy the game you can see all of the cool kind of weird ass cosmic heroes that that they're going to have for you to unlock um and then, uh, and basically, you unlock them. Just you know, you just play the game. So you pl- play the game. You you uh, uh, can can play each level multiple times to to get as many you know to three starred for lack of a better word. And then that gives you currency that you can use to buy more heroes once you get far enough in the story to unlock it. So um, you know, just kind of as something again when we talked about free to play, not kind of knowing what you'd get. You know, I, I just like the idea of knowing what I would get and. And um, you know, having a little rocket raccoon is is, is what do you know better. about who made this? Who's who's leaving money on the table by not going free to play with? This? I I don't know. Okay, I have no idea. I don't know if you know this. If you had a PC, you could be playing Rocket Raccoon, 
and others, I think, uh, in Marvel Heroes. Oh, really? I did not. They, I did not know they were in there. Rocky Raccoon has actually been in there. I think since they launched, before I really even knew that this movie was on the way. And I was like, "Wait, this is really a raccoon? And he runs around with a gun?" And like, you would be playing the game because it's like Diablo in an open world. You'd be yeah. playing the game, and you would see, "Oh, there's the." I don't even begin to know. Oh, there's Thor. Oh, there's Captain America. Oh, there's Spider Man. You know, you recognize all these. And what? It's, it's a raccoon. Is that is that somebody's pet? Like, is that, does somebody have a, a little in-game pet? That, oh, no, that guy's casting spells and he's doing things. And yeah. Don't they know anything about rabies? That's very unsafe. <laughs> Do not let that guy wander around. He will bite them. Did you see Cujo? Come on, man. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I finally want to mention that I've been playing um, a, a group called Shenandoah Studios makes these war games for the iPad. Uh, they started with Battle of the Bulge. They then made Road to Moscow. Uh, and now they've made one called Desert Fox, which is the fighting oh, in yeah. Africa, mm-hmm. um, which I find qualitatively different from a lot of the usual World War II war games, this whole desert theater, because they had supply problems. They didn't have these huge massed armies of tanks squaring off down these uh, easily defined battle lines. There's just a lot more maneuvering. Each unit is just all that much more important. Um, I find it makes for a more elegant war game when you're doing stuff set in North Africa, and that's certainly true with Desert Fox. Um, okay. And they do some cool things, too, with the the scale of time. Uh, this isn't just a battle over a few days. It's a long-term period where they really had to, each side had to decide, you know, do, do we launch? Do we just sit here and wait for supplies to catch up? Do we plant mines? There's just lots of different kinds of decisions. Uh, and as I was playing it, I was doing the basic scenario where you you basically win as Germany by taking a city called El Alamein, um, and that's the big victory point. It's worth 10 victory points. If you get it as Germany, you're pretty much going to win that scenario. So when you're playing as, as Britain, you just have to hold El Alamein, and then you'll win. So I'm playing against okay. the computer, and uh, it, you know it's a very simple, very straightforward war game. Uh, if you have any interest in war games, it's a fantastic starter war game. Any one of them, Road to Moscow, Battle of the Bulge, especially, I would say, Desert Fox. So I bring uh, three units right up to El Alamein, and they're, they're about to attack. I, I feel good. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough battle. If the dice go my way, I might be able to pull it off. He's got mm-hmm. one really tough defender there. It's going to be difficult. So I get my units up there, and I wait for the day turn to refresh so they can get another, another action. He's got one guy in El Alamein, and then the AI takes his turn, and he walks out of El Alamein. He walks his dude <laughs> down south to another place to attack something inconsequential that I had down there, like a recon truck. Oh, his no. defender just quits the, the premises. <laughs> and I just like walked in, and, and that's like it was like seeing it was it was times ten what I talked about in Ascension, where the guy right. wastes his his combat power for fewer victory points. And I was like, well, I, I, that right there is like I'm done with this freaking game. You know, it's one thing to not have a good AI, but to have a good AI that does something so incredibly stupid as to leave the victory point location when I'm about to move into it. I couldn't believe that. And then sure enough, next turn I just walked in because I got to go first. And, I, you know, I didn't even finish the game out because at that point, you know, why bother playing? 
Um, right. But what happened was uh, someone uh, emailed me. Um, I, I just uh, this guy who I, I run forums at quarter to three, and to sign up for the forums, I just asked that folks send me a little introduction, like, "Hey, can I come in?" And I've never turned anyone down for that. It's, I just feel that if you want to be on a forum. If you're willing to introduce yourself, you're the kind of person that I would love to have in a small community. So this one right. guy uh, introduced himself, and he was like, "Hi, I'm an oncologist in uh, in up in Canada. Uh, I'm just looking for people to play this Desert Fox game with." So I turned on his mm-hmm. account, and then I sent him an email, and I said, "Are you are you very good at this game?" And he's like, "I'm okay. I kind of know what I'm doing." So I started a game with him, and it's one of those. Uh, those happy accidents where you find someone who is like right at the same skill level as you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a war game like this, like my friend Bruce Garrick, uh, he actually helped these guys play test this game. And ever mm-hmm. since it's come out, he's been like, yeah, we know we should play together. We should start a game. Like, yeah, and, right. Exactly. I'm like, no way. I, I know <laughs> what skill imbalances are like in certain kinds of games. These kind of war games are the worst. Never, ever play these games with someone who's who's better than you unless you want to be super competitive and improve. You know, that's a, that's a great way to get your ass kicked and then maybe get a little better. But if you really want to play and have an enjoyable, balanced experience, find someone who's at the same level as you. Right. So shortly after figuring out how completely brain-dead the AI was, I met this fellow online, and we've just been having these great games back and forth. So I've been mm-hmm. discovering the joy of being evenly matched with someone uh, in, in a war game like Desert Fox. Um, cool. So, my point being, uh, Brandon, you should pick one of those up, and you and me can have a game. Well, you may be a little more. I, I think. I think you're my Bruce Garrick. I, I would definitely be. I'm not Bruce Garrick to many people, but I'm confident I would be Bruce Garrick to you if you, you start playing one of these. Absolutely. You, you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, Brandon, it's been great uh, catching up with you. Uh, and yeah, Shane, absolutely. You're coming back in two weeks, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to book it. Hopefully, I'll have some uh, Last of Us remastered to talk about then. Did you play on the PS3? Of course you did. I did. I did, but Why I'm going to play it again. Why? Uh, I want to play the DLC. Oh, I do too. You know what? I might have to replug in my. Because uh, I have it for the PS3. I don't have remastered for the PS4. I might have to replug in my, DS, my PS3 to try that. Because it's, um, it's Ellie without Joel, right? It's Ellie and her friend. Ellie and Tess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I want to play the DLC, and it comes with the DLC. And for me, uh, in August, there's really not much I'm kind of grooving on. So I thought, well, this would be a nice thing to just kind of play, you know, throw it on easy. I've already played it once, so it's not like it won't. I should be able to breeze through it fairly quickly. Right. Um, yeah. All right, well, we'll have some talk of that then. Uh, when you come back. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, I am Tom Chick. Folks, you guys can follow me on Twitter at... QT3. Uh, Brandon, my favorite part of the show. I love hearing you have to fess up about what your Twitter name is. Where can folks find you? My Twitter handle is Mr. Binky, M I S T E R B I N K Y. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so folks, thanks for listening. We'll see everyone here in two weeks. Calling me baby, why the sudden change? Say my name, say my name. If no one is around you, say baby, I love you. You ain't running game. Say my name, say my name. You acting kinda shady, ain't calling me baby. Better say my name.